provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to come on and share her amazing story today. Um, before we get into her story, just tell you a little bit about Suzanne. Um, she's a mother of three who battled severe depression, domestic violence, and even poverty in the year of 2018. She's coming on today to share her story, how she redirected her life to making six figures, being a two times best-selling author and helping others during the journey. And it's such an honor to have you on my podcast today to just share your transition and how you can impact others through your story of, you know, having a rocky road and just coming up, you know? So Thank you again, Suzanne. Before we get into your story, can you tell us a fun fact about yourself? Uh, fun fact, I know I look tall on video, but I am really <laughs> tiny. I'm 4'11". <laughs> 4'11", gracefully, girl. 4'11", gracefully. <laughs> okay, okay. And um, where are you uh, located? In Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, so represent mm. Florida. Shout out to Florida. Come on. So, before we get too deep, can you tell us a little bit about your life and how was everything growing up? My life growing up, we all have that childhood story uh, where we could talk about the traditional ways we grew up. I grew up with the spanking. I grew up, you can't go outside. I grew up where you can't say the word boyfriend, stop being a crybaby. The generation where we got really insulted a lot, where our confidence really took a toll mm -hmm. on us. Um, it was... I'm not going to say it was all that bad because my parents did truly do the best that they could do. You get what I'm saying? Raising us and trying to figure out who we were as individuals. So they did do their best. But I do feel like because of the traditional ways that they grew up, there was a lot of unhealed trauma. There was a lot of things that we experienced that we couldn't be vocal about. And when we became adults, I feel like it traumatized us. You know, it now became a trigger because you remember that from your past you remember being molested you remember you know getting a spanking for no reason sometimes you could be in the back porch and you're in trouble just for being in the back porch you know right. what i'm saying but so i'm not gonna really say it was all that bad i had traditional parents that only took over what they knew you get what I'm saying? So I, there was a point in my life where I had to learn how to forgive them. But later on in the story, you guys will understand, you know, how that forgiveness started because it truly wasn't their fault. They were only uh, giving me what they only knew. What, what they learned. Good. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was only, and what people don't realize is that childhood trauma, you get what I'm saying? When we don't deal with it, when we don't attack it, when we don't fix it, you start to look at your kids and you'd be like, oh, I remember when that happened to me as a kid. Or I remember that trait in me, you know, get what I'm saying, as a kid. So yeah. I'm not going to make it all muddy and bad. It was beautiful. And there were some down moments. Mm. I agree. I agree. Mm. And you so based on your story, you grew up with a two parent household, correct? Yep. Two parent now, household. Now, depending on what type of neighborhood or the type of people or community that you went to, went to school in, um, did people look at you different because you had a two family household versus, you know, statistics now, or. I wouldn't even say that because I was just really the quiet girl, the nerdy girl, the one that didn't really okay. talk to anybody much. So I think that made me awkward. I hung out with the Esau kids. You get what I'm saying? People that I knew <laughs> were at my level mentally. So right. I, was the one that was a little awkward to everybody and only by the only way you would know me is if you know my sister and brother you know what i'm saying they were more out mm -hmm. there they were more t 
they were taking more risk, risk than I was. I okay. was a bookworm. <laughs> they were just more outgoing. People noticed right. them. People okay. noticed them, then they notice you. They'd be like, "Oh, is that your sister?" Yeah. <laughs> I was really quiet. I didn't really have much friends growing up. Yeah, I had the little boyfriend and the little crushes, you know what I'm saying? But I had a strict brother. He would not allow that. You're not her best friend. Don't walk in home. <laughs> he had it in check. So I was just always to myself and scared to experience things. Interesting. So you spoke a little bit about, you know, your family and generational curses with uh, mental illnesses. Did how did that play a part in your life as you got older? As I got older, I would say when I hit my late 30s is when everything really started trickling down. That's where I was like, OK, something ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I was overprotective of my daughter from being molested. I would literally cringe if she would just sit on grandfather's lap. It would really make inside of me really hot. I would boil up. And I know there was something wrong I had to fix because the, the you know, it was innocent. But because of my trauma, I was bringing, uh, bringing that to my daughter. Uh, they used to call my daughter my purse, my handbag. I literally took her everywhere possibly that I could because I was afraid to leave her in anyone's hand, literally. Um, then when I started realizing with my son, my son was two years old when he was first diagnosed with ADHD. Um, going through that experience with him, just having those bad behaviors, uh, him biting other kids, him, you know, and I was a young teen mom, you guys, I was 17 trying to learn how to be a mom. And then here I am, I have a two-year-old that deals, that has ADHD. I don't have the right resources. My parents are telling me there's nothing wrong with him, but I know something is wrong. He has mm -hmm. anger issues. Uh, daddy is not around. But again, it goes back to our culture, our generation, not wanting to take that step and get the counsel that you need. I was yes. different from my family. I was the one that said, no, I know I'm young, but I do see something wrong with my son. I stepped out and went and got that behavioral counselor. You know what I'm saying? So I can correct myself as well and learn other ways to help him through the ADHD journey. Hmm. So it's a lot of things that pop up through my childhood that now is in my children. It's now in my adult life and I'm monitoring everything and I'm trying to pour knowledge. I'm trying to correct it where I can, but you can only do so much. People need to realize that your children are just a mimic of what you don't want. Right. What we've done as yeah. a kid, you know what I'm saying? So we have to have grace for them as they go through their human experience. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because like you said, they mimic everything you do, everything that you do, they see, you know, and that's what they grow up into. And that was like, even though you were young, you, you had a much, you could tell you have a, you had a mature mind and you wanted things differently. You wanted to be raised differently and do things differently with your own kids. Mm -hmm. And that's the accountability you took for your, for your son. You're like, nah, you know, something's wrong. People can tell you whatever they want to tell you. But as a parent, we know when something's wrong with our child. Right. Like right. even when it comes to finances, my parents weren't really good with finances, money management. I saw them working multiple jobs. I would go out there, work two, three jobs, thinking that's what I had to do. And then you become an adult and you're like, this can't be life. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot yeah. be working two, three jobs. <laughs> right. yeah. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, that brought me into poverty. You get what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I was trying to get all the credit cards, make this work. Living paycheck wow. to paycheck. Pay, right. Mm -hmm. Paying a credit card to pay another card. <laughs> no. Not it. It's not no, it at all. Not. No, it's not. Not at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that I could see from my childhood just watching my parents. You know what I'm saying? That trickled down those bad behaviors into my life. Mm. And that's really good how you, you know, took that as a teaching tool and changed your life based off of their circumstances versus you using it and being a victim. Because, you know, mm -hmm. some people would be like, well, my parents, you know, you know, and, and not being accountable. And it's really good that you can actually be accountable um, for the things that you went through and acknowledged how it's affecting you being a parent. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking on that, do you feel as though or was you able to express what you were going through with your daughter with anyone when, you know, you you felt that you were protecting her? You were protecting her from things that may happen in your past. Do you, was you able to express that or talk to anyone in your family? One thing that is new in my family is being very open. Prior to that, I'm going to say no. 
Why? Because had I had the correct support in 2018, I feel like I would have not been severely depressed. Like mm. someone who literally would get up, drive every morning and say, look, I just want to take my life. And then you start hearing that little voice in your head saying, you know, drive into the car. You know what I'm saying? All they're trying to do is stress you out. They don't even understand what you're going through. Nobody mm. gets it. What's the point of being here? You know what I'm saying? When it got that bad and I realized that it wasn't people's fault around me that they didn't understand it. They were not educated in it. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking around saying, I don't feel good. I don't feel mentally well. They're looking at me like, man, you Suzanne, you strong. Here we go. That strong black woman conversation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not strong. I'm telling you I need help. I'm telling you something is wrong. But because of who you are, the expectation that everybody sets for you, not the one you set for yourself, the one they set out for you to be that strong person, to always handle things, to not complain about anything. They take that and they start saying, no, nothing's wrong with you. I was mentally ill. I was sick. Mm -hmm. I felt disgusted with myself. My, I woke up every day and it just felt like a cloud was covering over me. I would wake up every day, literally crying myself to sleep, crying on my way to work because I just didn't understand the things that were happening in my life. Now you got to understand I was in a marriage for 12 years. You know what I'm saying? In that marriage, you know, domestic violence was there verbally, emotionally, you know, physically, you know what I'm saying? And I'm looking at myself saying to myself, like, where did I go wrong? Mm. And once I took that step back, I had to take accountability first before I can open a safe space for me and my kids to talk about what mommy went through and how they can help me going forward. I had to go deal with me, deal with Suzanne first. You know what I'm saying? Start telling myself that I had a choice who I surrounded my space with. I had a right. choice who I held those conversations with that were not healthy for me. I had a choice to redirect everyone in my life that was not going to help me grow or get myself mentally well again. And it took some time for me to resonate that, for my mind to really shift to that mindset. And then I became vocal with my children. Then I started sitting them down, explaining to them what I was really going through. And it wasn't their fault because I was angry all the time, yelling and screaming. And once they understood that, we talked about the past. We talked about the domestic violence. We talked about the marriage. And now we have a fun fill of open conversation. They call me the 24-hour seven preacher. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome that, you know, that you, that they can come to you and, and talk about anything and just be open because, you know, as like you said, growing up, you didn't have that. That's amazing, you know, that now that you and your right. family is able to do that now in this time. And, you know, you said that, you know, that you were, that you protected your daughter so much, you know, because you were afraid, well, what's going to happen? What happened to you was going to happen to her. Did, uh, how, how young was she when you try to teach her about, you know, uh, if someone was to hurt her? Did you the teach her? She's a smart little girl. I wish she, uh, like you are. Uh, you had you didn't get to meet her, but she is so smart. Like she's a hundred percent, ten times better of who Suzanne Joseph was. Okay, <laughs> ten times better of who I am. With her, she was like about four years old when we recognized her intelligence. So mm. at four years old, mm. I was the mommy that was in the shower with her, teaching her how to take care of herself and saying to dad, hey, you don't no longer need to take her a shower. You get what I'm saying? Like she can handle right. it. I'll double check. I'll make sure she could, but don't come in the bathroom with my daughter. You get what I'm saying? So it, she was very young when I started instilling things. At four. Yeah, yeah, I was taking yeah. her. Showers. Yeah, I was taking her to meetings where they talked about child molestation. Then okay, meet, okay. I would go over it with her, see what she understood. Mm. Look, I didn't play them type of games. <laughs> Nobody was coming for my baby. Um, and you know what? And I applaud you for that because I think as a mother, as a as as somebody that was molested myself, and I had a daughter. I taught my daughter very very young. I two by three years old. By three years old and she started to talk she's like no mommy me wash myself i was like okay you know and i think as a parent we need to teach our children really really young yeah. the proper names for you know yes. and being touched because yeah. you know we we live like that you know we live like that my kids are adults now and i still bring it up to them like praise god that you know your daughter was protected my child my daughter was protected and and i and that fear is terrible you know to be able to live like that every day and knowing that you can't leave your 
your son or daughter with anyone, and, right. you know, and you just, and sometimes you can't even trust family, which is the terrible part about things is that, you know, we want to be able to trust our family, but we really can't. But thank you for that really instilling that you in your daughter, that. you know, and, and hopefully someone that can, you know, understand, you know, as a mother that, you know, that you were abused, that they can, they can take this this evening as well to instill that in their child as well. Oh, trust me. Like, I love the way she respects her body, her space, her mind. So you know, good. when she's 14 now, and here's the conversation all parents are afraid <laughs> to have. Look, we don't want to to talk about sex, okay? She's a high school. Why would you not mm -hmm. want to have that conversation? You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about it. Who you got a crush on? Who you feeling? What kind of do you have? <laughs> Give me a hug. You like hugs. You get what I'm saying? Yes. You know, we have those personal conversations. We just gotta open up and let our children feel safe. That's it. Yes, that's that's true. You made a you made a good point. As parents, you know, it's our duty to have a safe space for our children, especially the children that we are raising, because when they have a safe space to be able to talk to their parents about things without flipping out or you know expecting you to not trust them anymore, but listening to them, you know, dissecting it and then responding. <laughs> They'd be like, okay, mom, mom's mom, you know, she gets strict when she needs to, but when I really yeah. need to have a conversation with her, she's able to be transparent because yeah. me as a mom, my son's in high school too. I'm at that age where I gotta be transparent. I know there's gonna be peer pressure. I know there's gonna be, mm -hmm. Porn, like, you know, all the stuff that we don't want to talk about, it's happening with our kids, you know. They're they're getting exposed to a lot of stuff. So it's our duty to speak to them about it and not be afraid and give them an opportunity to share, um, give them opportunity to share how they feel about things. Mm -hmm. An open dialogue we need with parents. The best advice and the best gem that I could leave our listeners is do family meetings. Mm -hmm. Have family meetings, whether when there's chaos in the house, when you feel like everyone's not aligning, we're not agreeing, have a family meeting. I don't play that. If we're not on the same page, we all need to talk. Like, what's going on? What's up? Mm -hmm. Right. And that opens space for energy. Yep, it does. Energy is going to tell you everything. You mm -hmm. Body language. Yep. Very important. Body language. They don't know nothing about body language. <laughs> 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 I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> Why are you shaking? You are, you know, so like body language is a good thing um, as well. But go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was just agreeing with what you you were saying. Like, it, it's it's true. You know, having these these meetings among family is important, you know, and that's how, you know, everybody's be able to speak their truth, right? you know, and how they feel and what their opinions are. You know, you have to be able to do that as a dynamic in the family. Because, Amen. you know. I feel like, you know, that's where, you know, that brings closeness. It brings peace and it brings, it just brings to be able, well, I trust my parent or I trust my family enough to be able to come to the, come to them with this. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so you did speak on, um, being married for 12 years and, um, how, how, how with, Having been a domestic violent, uh, the Bannocks survivor, um, how did your relationship end? Did you decide just one day, say, hey, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to walk away. No, what happened is the whole 12 years, I would say, let me put it, the third year of our marriage is when I started realizing those red flags that I saw before were really, truly red flags. Mm -hmm. That's the ones we love to ignore, ladies, and it sends us down a pit and our hearts get broken and hurt. So I saw a lot of red flags. He was cheating a lot the whole marriage. Uh, he was angry all the time. He was putting his hands on me when I would question him. He was calling me a pig. He was talking down to me like it was a lot of things I was experiencing through the marriage. I would leave and then I would come back. I would leave then because I would feel like I'm not financially ready to be on my own. And I would utilize that to stay in the marriage. Or he would tell me that he would change and he would do better and he wouldn't put his hands on me again. When I finally made the decision to really walk out of the marriage, 
was uh, late 2017 before going into 2018, you guys. Me and my daughter was in the room sleeping. My daughter was always in the room with me in my bed. Um, I came home just, you know, parlaying with family members, having a great time. Time overlapped. You get what I'm saying? I was supposed to be home at a certain time and that too. So it was a lot of, you know, be home at this time. You know, a lot of strictness, like my other daddy. You know what I'm saying? I got home, you know, later than what I stated I was going to be home. So when I walked in the door, things were really quiet. And I said, I'm going to go to bed. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to piss him off. I already know he's upset. I laid in the bed and literally woke up to him beating on me while my daughter was in the bed laying next to us. Oh my goodness. And something in my mind immediately say, if you don't get up and jump, he's going to beat the living crap out of you. You need to get up right now. And I literally just jumped out of the bed with my daughter just screaming, saying, daddy, stop, daddy, stop. And I said to myself, and I looked at him and I saw fury. I saw that red eye. I saw how angry he was. And I said, you know what? I'm not the problem. I'm truly not the problem. I said, what you're dealing with, I can see it's internal. It's something you got to work on. And I left the house that night because we needed the space. And I stayed away for like a good three days and came back and made the decision that we needed to go our separate ways. I wasn't no longer happy in the marriage. And the fact that it happened in front of my daughter, thank God it did. Because Mm -hmm. maybe if it didn't, I wouldn't have left. Right. So it happened in front of her. And that told me that if you don't leave, she's going to think it's okay for her next relationship for her to stay in it. And I couldn't do that to her. I totally agree. We just talked about that. What our kids see, mm-hmm. come on, is what they think is acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's so that's great how you can, you know, take that situation and turn it into a blessing. Because, like you said, you probably would have went back. And you know, with you guys being married, how did he take you leaving? Was he okay? Because you know how abusive relationships are they ain't going for it they're going to be no no they're not about at all for you to to stay or come back and with you guys being married how did how i know it wasn't a cakewalk (laughs) he was not okay with it he tormented my life to the point i had to get a restraining order i was literally terrified just to leave my house because he would just pop up and he would just be at the door you know what I'm saying? So I was terrified. So I got that restraining order. The restraining order kind of calmed him down. But if he did see me, he would try to find a way to pick a fight. You know what I'm saying? And I would just always stand back and be like, I know he's mad. I know he's angry. I know he's going through something. But I also had to sit my daughter down and explain to her, hey, daddy's going through something. I still want you to love him. You know what I'm saying? He okay. loves you. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that changed. It's just daddy and mommy have something going on. It doesn't right. change your relationship. It's hard for somebody that's being battered by their, you know, daughter's father to say, love your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but, it is. I can yeah. agree. And then you leave it. So it's and like, yeah. love your dad. Mm-hmm. You got to love him for who he is. But mommy can't be with him. Like, exactly. confusing for a child. Well, she get it now. Which is good. She yeah. got a lesson. <laughs> but yeah, he was hurt. Um, it took him, I would say a good couple of years after the divorce to get over everything. And it's because I had to set boundaries. I had to put things in place, you know, mm-hmm. don't come to my house unless you're coming to visit my daughter, you know, don't call my phone. If it has nothing to do with her, Matter of fact, he's blocked. I just feel like at this age, there's nothing for me and him to talk about. I take care of my daughter hundred percent. So there's no conversation to be had. And that's just it. Some people don't know that control. I'm not calling someone and ladies, the energy when you guys like to go to make daddies and your ex-husband. I ain't had this baby by myself. What is better, your peace of mind and just doing your best or dealing with mm-hmm. him? <laughs> Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My peace of mind was more important. That's right. And peace of mind is the best. Kids, you know, mm-hmm. protection. Mm-hmm. Come on. What you've been doing mm-hmm. from day one. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So after the the relationship ended, was it hard to even get back out there? Yeah. <laughs> I had every time it's like this flag came out. Oh, yeah, it's a long time. She's divorced. And then we're just coming like flood water, and I'm looking like <laughs> <laughs> They were just coming through. I'm like, hello. 
Them applications was coming through, huh? <laughs> it's like they just knew it was in the air. <laughs> so one or two times I tried to do it and it was like, I'm just not feeling this. And I just mm -hmm. remember one day just laying in my bed and I was about to be a uh, matron of honor for uh, one of my good friend's wedding. Her and um, her brother and I dated when we were younger and we were in love as kids. But as we got older, we had to go experience our own life. So oh, when man. I got to the wedding, he realized I'm divorced too. Hey, she's catching the bouquet. Let me shoot my shot. Whoa. So he went and shot his shot. And look, y'all, we are getting married. Wow, oh, that is so amazing. Congratulations. Wow. But it did take six years, you know what I'm saying? Because he was waiting for me to mentally be well to take that next step. Oh, that is oh so I did not bring tissues today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh so man. Sweet. God is good. That is like, that yeah, is he sure good. is. God is good. That is so such good. a blessing. That is so good how everything came together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the way we communicate, you would be like, oh, like we are very open with our feelings, our emotions. Even if I'm having a moment where I'm feeling angry, I won't say anything. I'll take a moment to understand that it's not him really bothering me. It's something personal within me. So we mm -hmm. do communicate. I do express my feeling. He tells me what's wrong. We try our best to align. And if something's mm -hmm. not uh, matching up, I'm like, hey, look, let's talk. Something ain't aligning. <laughs> mm, that's so amazing. That is so amazing. And you see how you were, you went into this, this relationship and then just like you left it go. And then God just blesses you with the one that he had for you this whole entire time. Oh, and the ring yeah. is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> I love your story. That is so like I'm cheesing. Like it was my story. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and look, he had to go through his experience because he, while I was going through it, he was going through it. You know, he was in the streets, past drug dealer. Now he meet this woman who's trying to build this whole new life, and he had to settle into my space, my platform, my ground. You know what I'm saying? So he had to go through an experience of shifting and becoming a whole nine to five, you know, worker. So we both like we went through the struggle together. And but I love how God, I was just about to say, I love how God, you know, even though we're going through the situation, I love how we go through that before we meet the person that we're supposed to be with so that yes. you can actually connect and be united as one because you don't want to come in a relationship with a whole bunch of baggage. So I love how you were going through your stuff. You were able to heal through it. And then he also was going through his stuff. And then you guys were able to come together as one. That's just that's that's a blessing. First day, you first like a 30 day no sex rule. You got to be completely divorced. Like all of that happened. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> that, right. is so, that is so good. It. I love it. So, you know, congratulations on uh, the engagement. Thank you. Looking back at everything, what motivates you to be you? And well, <clears throat> go ahead. I would say what motivates me to, because I was ready for that question. <laughs> That we will always say is our kids, right? Yes. I, me, myself, motivate me. Like when I mm. get up every day and I successfully complete the day without yelling, without being angry, without being stressed, I'm like, you go, girl. Yes. Like, you, got this. you know what I'm saying? When I think about what God has for me and the plans he has and where, how far he's about to take me, I'm like, girl, we about to go off. You know what I'm saying? Like we about to take flight. Like I literally motivate my own self. I had to. That's why a lot of people are always looking for validation. I had to find validation within me. Speak like mm -hmm. this to me. I am my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> biggest cheerleader. I agree. I agree. Not the babies, y'all. The babies grow up and be adults and don't care about you. Yay. That's right. That's right. You always got to find a hobby because once they're out and living their life and being adults, a lot of us parents, we just lose ourselves. So yep. mm -hmm. you got to find something that makes you happy. Your, your happy moment. And Live it to your best fulfillment, you know? And yeah. I love how your your validation doesn't come from anyone because what happens when people have validation coming from other people, they get swayed into all types of emotions and they really don't know their self. So you being confident and planted in yourself and being your number one cheerleader nope. above all. Come on. Look, I get asked all the time how I am, why am I so confident? Like, why do right. I have this energy all the time? I'm going to, you know, be really real with you, ladies, and to those listening, to those who's always experiencing hurt, like, I don't have anybody, I don't have any friends, I was once that person, 
I'm losing all my friends. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's just dropping like flies. I remember the last encounter I had with a family member and things were just going left. And I asked God, cause we forget to ask when we ask God, you know, give me my support group, give me the surrounding that I need. Give me right. the people that's going to help me grow. And when he starts catching them people out your life that don't align. Like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that's so true. That is so true though. That is so true. <laughs> the, the tears start flooding. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> and I remember that last encounter I had with a family member, I loved her, but I knew something was off. And when we were in friction and we weren't aligning, I remember walking in the door from a photo shoot we were supposed to do together. And I got on my knees and I said, God, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Why is it that I can't connect with people? Why is it that all these people are leaving me? It's because that prayer I asked for. I needed support. I needed women that could pray for me. I needed women that was going to help hold me accountable. I needed women when I was going to speak the wrong thing, they corrected me and I could handle my spiritual offense. Right. With no issues. You get what I'm saying? So I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as me losing people. But then I saw how hurt I was about losing another human being. And I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like it at all. I did not want to be conflicted by another human being's emotion and them not wanting to be around me. So I had to learn to be my own best friend with God. I had to learn to take my own self out and hang out with myself and gossip with myself in my own mind. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn how to right. just do me. And it takes a lot because some people are addicted to building relationships. Mm -hmm. I build relationships to serve. My life right now is only about God. You get what I'm saying? So when people yes. you, look, when people come around me, you automatically want to be like, let's be best friends. You get what I'm saying? But then I have to open up my mouth and say, at this time, I cannot provide that to you. The hardest yes. conversation. Nobody wants to communicate in a healthy manner. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love your energy. I love everything about you. But I know you like to hang out a lot. I know you like to go to dinners a lot. And I'm really not about that life. I do mm -hmm. like to do it once in the blue, but you might be the friend that I like to be on the phone every day. So I'm going to help you. So you don't say that I'm not a good friend. Right. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to help you. That part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it's okay, you know, to be by yourself and focus on you and do what you need to do and what's going to benefit for yourself. And that's important. We need that time. We need, especially, you know, when God is telling us to move and do something and be obedient and to walk in his alignment and oh. his purpose, that's what we have to do. Sometimes we have to just, you know what I mean? You love them and, you know, but this is how I see it. if they love you and they know that you're in a season where not everyone's going to be around you and God is just using you for something, Come on, they're going to understand, okay, God's right. doing something there. I'm going to be here and I'm going to support her, even though, you know, we're a little distant right now. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And let's and that's be something... honest. Mm -hmm. There's no friends that's really like that out there. They just don't get it the first time around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not well, get... That's true. That's true. That's true. But I feel like the Lord, the one that, that God blesses you with, those are the ones that will understand. What? I think it also comes with growth because. Yeah, that too. Mm -hmm. Because there is, there, there. There's women that I grew apart from based off of where I see my life going. And, you know, when we see each other, it's high and by. It's, it's no bitterness. Mm -hmm. I feel like it just depends on the situation, the type of circumstance, and what level of life they're in. Because yeah. the bitterness, the hatefulness, the gossip mm -hmm. and things like that, they're not in a place of comfort within their self. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I know for me that if it's not something aligned with what I'm doing, I know that I can't have bitterness for us not being friends or being yeah. friends or mm -hmm. hanging out. I don't do that no more. So it's like, you got to know a place in your life where you're like, I'm not there and this is where I'm going. And I love you from a distance, but we're just not aligned. And yeah. where I'm trying to go, you're not, you're not where I'm at, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> it's all and about then I have grace. You know what I'm saying? A People lot of like grace. That. Yeah, exactly what you said, grace. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have grace for them because you were once there and you didn't get it. So you got to allow them to get there. Right. But we won't let you do it from afar. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how did you get into, you know, being an advocate for mental health? Um, how I walked this journey is experiencing it through for myself. Um, I remember when I finally said, you know what, God, I had enough. 
Enough is enough. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of making poor choices. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired. I'm just tired. <laughs> you got to get to the point where you just say, I'm tired of being tired. And I remember just getting on my knees and just praying to God saying, like, I really want to shift in my life in whatever I need to do, whatever obedience I need to put out, whatever I need to do to correct myself, fix my heart. Because my heart is feeling so angry. My heart is feeling mad. My heart is feeling confused. My heart don't understand. And I had to, you got to get, you know, get a little ghetto with God a little bit and be like, yo, like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought I was your daughter. <laughs> like, th this can't be life. It's wild right. out here. <laughs> like, you know how I feel right now, right? <laughs> I want some sanity. I want some peace. And I started talking to God like that, being myself mm -hmm. in our conversation. Right. And then slowly, I remember one night having a dream. And I was writing down calendar months. I was writing down visions. I was writing down goals. And I would get up every morning and everything that I was dreaming, I would write it down on my journal. I'm like, vision, goals. I'm like, oh, what are you trying to tell me? Like, I know you're talking to me, but I wasn't at that level yet where I understood what he was mm -hmm. trying to, what he wanted to convey to me. So I would go to sleep. I, this time I'm anxious to go to sleep now, y'all. Look, I ain't depressed no more. Confirmation, right? <laughs> like, I see God you're doing something. Like, you're just like, I want a dream tonight. Yes. What's the story tonight? <laughs> that bubbling spirit in your stomach. Like, you know, something is about to burst. Something new is about to happen. So I went to sleep again. And then I started dreaming again. I saw myself speaking on, on, on stages, which already happened. I saw myself, you know what I'm saying, speaking in spaces like this and encouraging women. And then I got up and I would write it down again. I said, okay, wait a minute. I see a journal being created and I see something in me being created as me being a speaker. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to put two and two together, but I still don't know how to make it work, y'all. So I said, I created this whole power plant, uh, power uh, project, uh, PowerPoint presentation. And I called on a few friends that I still was attached to. And I was like, I think these people will be great for this project. So let me rally them in. Let me get in them into the conversation. I set up a whole meeting. I presented my whole PowerPoint presentation. And at the end of the conversation, the feedback was, it's going to cost too much. Oh, I'm really busy right now. Or I got this going on. And I said to myself, wait a minute. Is this really happening? Like, I really got sad inside because these were people that I thought the expectation I set for them would, would support me. You get wow. what I'm saying? And yeah. I remember going back to the drawing board and I went back to my fiance and I said to him, I was like, nobody really wants to do the project with me. So what do I do now? He was like, wait a minute. You said God gave you the dream, right? And I was like, yeah. So he said, did he ask you to put anybody in it? I'm like, uh, no. He said, so why can't the dream survive? And I'm like, wow, you're right. You are so right. So I still wasn't shifting in my mind yet. Though he was right, there was still something not connecting yet. I'm like, how do I implement this vision God has given me? I don't want to mess up this time. I want to get it right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've invested in business before and it failed. I want to get this right because it's not a business. I'm about to walk in purpose. You know, something that God is, I'm about to evangelize to the people. So I need mm -hmm. to understand. So I remember Audrey Brooks, who is my therapist, who will never leave my life until God says so. You know what I'm saying? I remember her reaching out through me, uh, through Facebook to me. And she said, hey, are you okay? And tears were still rolling down my eyes because I still didn't have that support. You get what I'm saying? I, I, I put a whole presentation out and nobody wanted to support the vision. So I'm still mm -hmm. looking for support. I'm still looking for understanding. And she invited me to this event that Geralda Larkins uh, did. It's called Tran, Train, Transform, Transition. Hmm. When she invited me to that event, I was very hesitant. I'm getting there, you guys. I was very hesitant. I said, you know what? I don't know, God. I ain't going today. And something said, if you don't get up, I don't care if you show up an hour before it ends. I need you to go. So I got dressed. I was still a little procrastinating. And I still got there. It was like an hour before the event end. You guys, when I walked in the door, I, I I couldn't stop crying because what I saw in front of me is what I needed. I saw women praying on each other. Mm. I see women encouraging each other, inspiring each other, showing mm. them how great and what they've overcame. And I'm like, God, this is all I'm asking for. This is all I want. And I 
decided to join the strategic society and they held my hand and walked me through every step. They held my hand and made sure that I transitioned. They held my hand and make sure that my heart was healed before I went out and coached and mentored and spoke about what God did for me. My heart had to be true. And I will forever love these women. But that's how I became Suzanne Joseph, the wellness strategist, speaking about mental health advocacy, telling all my girls, all my queens, all my ladies, look, we're going to win. We can win, but yes. you got to speak your mind. Mm. That was so powerful. Thank no. you. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> that mindset shift is no joke. Oh There's nothing God. you can do if you don't shift your mind. That's, that's amazing how sometimes we try to talk ourselves out of things. Yep. God knows what's best for us, but in that moment, we don't see it. So for yep. you to be obedient, not even knowing that you were being obedient, and he positioned you to meet the women that you need, needed to meet to bring you to where you're at now, it's like, God is so good. He is mm -hmm. unconditional. And the way he places the pieces together, like, Ooh. it just gives me goosebumps because mm -hmm. You can't explain that any other way. Like, no. it can't be nothing else but God. Come on. And, you and I don't understand. I mean, I guess they'll get there. But from what God's done in my life, I couldn't have it any other way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel you. And you think I'm going to let anybody come and play with me? Not in right. this season. I went through too much. I had the BFF. I had the friends already. Now let me be an adult. Let me grow. Let me flourish. Let me win for Christ one time. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you need friends that understand that. Like, I love yes. you. Ain't nothing wrong. I'm just growing right now. It's my growing season. Yep. Yep. Just let them be, let, you know, especially ones where they just, just let it be you. Come on. Just let it be you. Just let it be you. However you want to do things and however God is telling you to do things, let them. Just let them. Just let them. They don't sit there and be like, oh, well, you're not doing this and we're not talking every day. Like you said, it's their growing season. Let God just let God just work on them. Let them just be them and however they want to do things in their season. And Come on. Mm -hmm. I'm with you guys. God is in the abyss, y'all. Yes, he is. He sure is. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, Susan, looking back at everything in your life, everything that you have experienced, everything you have been, everything you have gone through up to this point in your life, what was the most challenging part of your life and how did you suppress it? I think the most challenging part is really accepting this is the life before me. Mm -hmm. um, when God calls you, it's not easy because you're you're really serving. You're giving yourself to others. You know what I'm saying? But you also have to learn how to reserve your own energy. You have to learn to find your own peace in the midst of helping others. I was scared. I was terrified. And I was questioning God, like, do you really want me to do this? Like, I know they like to listen to me. I know they're encouraged by my voice, but you really want me to do this? You know, I don't even network. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you want me to do? I like to be home. I like to be to myself, but he saw greater in me. You get what I'm saying? And I had to tap into that greater, no matter how fearful I was about the journey that was before me. I really had to tap into it and I really had to open up my mouth and speak. It took me a minute just to be on social media, you know, amplify my voice. I was scared. I had a social social media manager training me to get on there. And I'm like, oh, no, maybe I'll do it next week. She was like, you got to do three shows a week. I'm like, three shows a week. That's a little much. She's like, girl, bye. <laughs> I'm like, a little much. She's like, nope. I'm like, girl, bye. Nope, nope. <laughs> but I was scared because I was like, are they really going to listen to me? Are they really going to accept what you're doing in my life? Are they going to receive it? And he, I had to get to the place and I said, it doesn't matter who receives it. As long as that one person did, I did do my job, right? That one person mm -hmm. said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, gave me that gateway and said, who says you coming to heaven? Daddy, I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? That one person made an impact in my life. And that's all I lean on. You know what I'm saying? I've 
have helped several women now help redirect their choices in life. But that one person that saw the vision, Beatrice, that one person that said, I see what you're doing. I see what God is doing with you. I'm going to stick beside you through this whole journey. My beta, you get what I'm saying? She helped me produce the whole program. You get what I'm saying? Just going through my experience with her. And I'm happy. I'm glad that God saw me for this because I do love helping. I was the, a vice queen, but now I see why he put that in me. I see why he instilled, you know, thinking, thought process in me. Mm. Now I see why I'm the strategist. <laughs> mm, I love it. I love She's it. Dropping gems, guys. I hope y'all listening. Mm -hmm. I hope y'all is listening, mm -hmm. taking notes because I can only imagine how your online business enhances people because I'm definitely going to take some of this advice that you're providing and mm -hmm. share it not only with myself yep. to, you know, better myself, but to better and empower someone else. You know, yep. I want to see everybody mm -hmm. win at the end of the day. So let's speak on your online business. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about that and, you know, in your journey of becoming an author, because we didn't even get into that. Like, I know, we, right? we about one day, but we didn't even get into the good stuff, you know, being a two-time best-selling author. Like, the transition from meeting these women and doing doing the work, because some people don't like to do the work, but actually doing the work and then investing in time and investing in yourself, because we got to invest in ourselves to be able to invest in somebody else now. Come on. So yep. investing in yourself, how did you get to becoming an author before we get into your business? Okay. So I've been talking about being an author since I was like 17 and it was okay. never happening. I was all talk. When COVID happened, you already know it was shut down. Like, what are you going to do? And I disciplined myself during COVID and I shut in for three months and I went to typing away, typing every thought, every feeling, every story that I could remember as a childhood to my journey now. Mm. Once I realized I was at like chapter 12 of typing, I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to keep typing because I need direction. So I hired a publisher. Mm -hmm. And once I hired that publisher, she was able to pull more out of me. You know what I'm saying? She was more mm -hmm. able to say, girl, on chapter 12, you said he was hitting you in the bed. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? You yes. know what I'm saying? She was pulling what I needed to convey to my readers that, yo, look, you could get beat down, shut down. You still going to win. You still going to make it. You get what I'm saying? So I finally got the journal done. And literally when I launched the journal, I sold over a hundred copies. Come on. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I sold over a hundred copies right away. When I produced it, my first journal, I sold over a hundred copies. God yeah. was telling me over and over, like, you're going to win, you're going to win. You get what I'm saying? Then I produced it, the workbook, sold over a hundred copies. So oh God was like, I'm going to make yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Come on. You know what I'm saying? I just share my story. And when you get to hear the story about chasing after God's own heart, and when you guys go online and see it, the picture is phenomenal, y'all. It's super dope. You guys got to go see this online. But once I completed that chapter, once I completed that journey, it was on and popping. Ain't nothing you can do. You know what I'm saying? Oh like, it, it really explains. You know, I even have conversations with my daughter about the book because she loves it. Oh, mm. I love That's it. it. Mm. I love it. How does your children see you now? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm the whole role back. model. <laughs> I'm their inspiration. I'm the preacher 24-7. Like, I, I love our relationship. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we have moments. Well, parents don't have moments. Right. But we don't take those moments and we don't make it last forever. You know what I'm saying? We deal with it. We talk about it. If they don't communicate in the right manner, because I'm not going to make it seem like everything is perfect, y'all. I will never do that. Everybody think the walk with God is perfect. It's not always going to be perfect, but you're going to handle yourself through it. I promise you will. But I love the way we communicate. I love the way we talk. I love the way we deal with each other. And I love the moments I could come to them and say, hey, you know, the way you talked to me was a little left. I think you need to pick a better way of communicating. You get what I'm saying? So I don't have to get riled up and angry. Right. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be mad. You know what I'm saying? I got to keep this life up. I am the provider. You get what I'm saying? And that's why God keep blessing me. He know there's a lot on my shoulder. Come on. Mm -hmm. He keep blessing me. I'm going to have to get that on the shirt. 
Come on, look, even my job. Can we talk about my career change? We got to close it out with my career change, y'all. We got to talk about the big, big wow, 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 the couple of zeros added to the check, check, change. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead, girl. Let's get this one. Come on. And with all that obedience. We went from poverty to what? Come on, girl. Come on. Baby. Amazing. Come on. And all it took, look, I left my job of 13 years, December 16th. And I was hot. I was bothered. I was like, God, I want to leave. So I sent that resignation letter. I said, you know what, God, I'm about to survive on faith. I'm about to survive on you because I am not going to another workplace that's going to mentally mess with me. I like the place that I'm in. And February, for the two months, God helped me. I survived as a solo entrepreneur. I I got a staffing company, too. And when February happened, I got a call from a friend. She was like, I got a job that's going to be great for you. Call them, do an interview. I called. Oh, come on, Suzanne. Come on over. Oh, matter of fact, we're going to give you six figures to come on over as our project manager. What? Come really? on. Come on. <laughs> what? That I'm is so crazy. great. And I'm doing so phenomenal there. I'm doing awesome in my position. I actually love my job. Mm. Yes, it's a lot of calls and emails, but I love my job. Wow. God is so good. All the time. I love that. And we're all calling for a six-figure years. Lady, I do I do want to say yeah. that don't think the struggle ain't real. But so, for some reason, it don't matter how many zeros are added, some unsudden bills just come out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. you're asking God, like, are you gonna ever let my life match up to the money? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everything gotta change, the economy gotta shift. Come on, like let right, me right. Let and then we look at the inflation. Look at the inflation that we got going on now. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you wanna have some money for your cushion, but it's like, wow, like yep. mm-hmm. now, now everything's yep. increasing, not just my income, but it's like now everything's increasing. Everything yep. like mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I don't stop. Do, I don't stop doing anything. I still keep going forward. I don't even let that dismotivate me. I still keep pushing. Mm-hmm. And you have to. You have to. You mm-hmm. can't be so consumed with everything that's going on. You know. Nope. And then God makes a way. He definitely. Does. He sure does. He, he sure does. And I'm grateful. You know. Because a lot, just looking at everything in the surroundings and, you know, everything that's going on, I can definitely say I am grateful. I'm in a great place in my life. And he's always provided even through this pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. and we took life for granted. Yeah, like, we sure we did. Life for we granted. Sure so, like coming out of the pandemic, I see my whole vision has brought clarity and what life is truly about Come on. Yeah. and who to depend on. Because at yep. the end of the day, like, you know, sometimes we get a little straight away. We want to do what, what we want to do. And then yep. you're like, girl, mm-hmm. get back here. That's not what I was telling you to do. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. At the end of the day, God is so unconditional and he He doesn't judge you and he brings you back to where you need to be so that you can Come be on. focused and c- continue to be able to lean on him yep. in a loving mm-hmm. way. And I love oh, that, that he does yes, it he in does. a loving and a graceful way. No matter no matter what the circumstances is, no matter where you've been at life, he does it in a loving, graceful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I, I have no words to what you would say. And look, I'm, uh, the conversations were super dope. You know, it got me thinking. It's just having me reflect right now. Right. That's why, like, I'm like, you know what? She right. It just Do makes I you really reflect. Out yeah, like, it makes you just reflect because, you know, God is so good. And he the way he just works out everything in our life, you know, and and just like, it's just like, he just like, he's just so amazing. Like, words cannot describe just who he is for us. Like people are dying every day from suicide. Mm-hmm. Every day. Majority of the people that you see committing their, su- their suicide is because they didn't have the right support group. Mm-hmm. They were hurt by another human being. Human beings hurt a lot. Yeah. That's why I try to always teach people to set boundaries, learn healthy relationships. I know y'all want BFF and friends, but when you are hurt, I don't want to see you in a dark place. Right. I would rather yes. you find friendship within you. 
You get what I'm saying? And if we all, I say to myself and I pray to God all the time, I said, God, like if you could just snatch them up in that place that I was in, that place mm -hmm. in their heart where they felt broken, where they felt sad, they felt defeated. Like if you could just snatch them before they jump, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Before they take those pills, before they commit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we can change the world, but mm -hmm. it takes people. We are conflicted by people and nobody yeah. wants to see that. And that's, that's all I'm trying to teach the people. Love on you. Speak life to you. Do what's good for you. Do what makes you feel well. Do what makes you feel happy. Because at the end of the day, when God calls you home, he's going to ask, Suzanne, what did you do? He's not going to ask Shanira. He's not going to ask Jenny. He's not going to ask none of you guys what I did. He's going to ask mm. me what I did. So when you want to get defeated and down because you lost somebody through death, I'm about to deal with death right now. And I deal with death differently from other people. People need to die. That's how I see it. Yes, you love them. Yes, that was your mom. That was your dad. But can we let people die in peace? But this is the part that, you know, when I start speaking, offend. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So I stay in my face and I still I stay in my realm. And I tell people all the time, like, you have to overcome people for you to be well. Mm -hmm. I get you got to grieve, but grief with healing. Get someone in the center of your grieving. Like, I don't, I tell my kids, I don't ever want to see you stuck. I don't want to ever see you saying, woe is mom. I gave you guys everything from me. Everything mm -hmm. I could possibly give, I gave it. So you should be happy that I am dying to my father. You should be happy that I lived a fulfilled life. I just wanted mm -hmm. to see y'all smile every day, literally. But it's all on how we see it. What mindset, what perspective do you want to be in? Hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Because I remember when my grandma passed away. Like at first, I was was sad, but then it, it brought me joy because I was like, "Wow, she was a good woman. She taught me this. Like, she yeah. she nurtured me, and she lived a good life. You know, she made it tonight. Like she she lived a good life. You know, and I didn't dwell on the bad things or the what ifs. I focused on the good things and the time that we had with each other. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. And that's important to do that because I think that kind of, that pulls you through, you know, just hanging on to the good memories and knowing that, you know, it, it was, it was, it was God's timing for her to go home, you know, and I can relate to, you know, Shanara, like when my grandma passed too, you know, back in 2018. And I was just like, at first I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to like really emotionally take it. You know, and mm -hmm. after a while, you know, I cried. I got sad. I cried. I grieved, but I moved on because, you know, mm -hmm. I knew that I knew that she was in the better place and I knew she lived a long life as well. You know, mm -hmm. you know, she done this a lot, you know, but the one thing that I can completely that I can sit back and always say that she always helped others, no matter if it, she would give her last dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's what we got to do. Just stay on the positive thoughts so we can let mm -hmm. people rest in peace for real. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'm dropping bombs today, girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a jokester, but. <laughs> it's um, Shanera, do we have any um, open questions from the um, audience? Uh, just, just some comments. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for tuning in. Blessings to you. Uh, thank you, Tyrone, for joining in. Blessings hey. to you. I <laughs> uh, see Suzanne. You got some friends coming out and supporting you. Yes, so, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, some comments. No questions. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, just a lot of love. A lot of love. Yeah, love that's love what you mean. Building. Love. Love is the we one thing. That, love in the building. Love, yeah. love is the one thing that we all need to give each other. It's just love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Susan, thank you so much for sharing your amazing testimony. And it's been an honor with such amazing jewels that you were giving out this evening. And anyways, we have one question we ask all our guest speaker. What makes you uncommon? Uh, what makes me uncommon is me. You know what I'm saying? Myself. Mm. You know, I speak the truth. 
Um, I know sometimes the truth may be a little indirected to some other people. It might offend, but I'm only speaking what God is putting on my heart because I truly want people to change. So I am uncommon. You get what I'm saying? I always say, God, you know, people don't want to put me on their platform. You get what I'm saying? He said, you have your own platform. I gave you that. Mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So <laughs> I love speaking life. I love being me. I love my quirky personality. I love the nerd in me. I love the direction that God is doing with my life. So I love everything about me. So yes. I am uncommon. Mm, <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. Thank you again, Susan. And thank you for our audience uh, for tuning in this evening. And I want to speak on our clothing. Make sure you check out our, our apparel at www.uncommonwomen.net. Um, if you have any anyone that wants to come on for an awareness or if uh, you want to become a guest speaker, make sure you check out our website at, once again at www.uncommonwomen.net. Also email us and you can reach us at uncommon3women at gmail.com. And I have an announcement and we have or uh, we are having our I Love Myself seminar November 19th. So make sure you purchase your tickets at Eventbrite. But we have an early bird special till October 3rd. So after the October 3rd, it is $25 per ticket. And it is, oh, don't forget the promo code, on stay uncommon. Also, it is going to be an in-person event, um, which I'm really excited about. And as well as... Location is still yet to be announced, but we'll definitely make sure uh, once you go to the Inventbrite, all the information will be on there. And everyone, stay uncommon. Bye. Bye.